Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out, And said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead. Insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. I draw my thought out of the verse where he says, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Let's ask the Holy Ghost to help us. In Jesus' name, Lord God, I pray against every distraction from our workday, Lord God. I pray against every single thing that comes in our minds right now. We give you our undivided attention. We give you our focus, Lord God. I pray that your word would pierce our minds and our spirits, Lord God. It would discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. God, it would cleanse us. It would fill us that we might not sin against you. In Jesus' name, have your way and speak to your people tonight. Put me aside. Put every ambition and every ounce of flesh on the side. And Lord Jesus, let your word speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. I prayed this prayer many times since the Lord revealed it to me a while back, that God would give me faith when I don't feel faithful, but maybe I'm the only person, hopefully not, it'll be awkward, but maybe I'm the only person that's ever prayed and had doubt in my mind or struggled to have faith when it was a time to have faith. Maybe I'm the only one who's had weak faith. I don't believe so. But the sincerity and authenticity of the response of the Father, it, it just strikes me. It resonates with me. See, we, and, it, and it's interesting. You know, we, we, um, it's funny sometimes when we pray, we get such an impressive vernacular. And, you know, thou great Lord. It's like we, we get such a, so into this, how we're supposed to pray. But when you're desperate for the Lord, when you're praying with all your heart, all that goes away. And you, and you pray with sincerity. I love what the Father says. He says, I, don't, I believe God, but I'm struggling. I believe, but my faith is weak. I need you to help me with it. It's powerful. And here's the thing. You don't have to pray in any certain way. See, the Lord always makes things understandable where you are. He's never spoken to you in Japanese. You might realize that. He's always spoken to you, revealed things to you, talked to you through the fivefold ministry in English. He's always been direct with you. There's an entire chapter, maybe several in Matthew, I'm forgetting now, where it talks about why the Lord uses parables. Because people can't understand things. He's got to make it. He dumbs it down for our benefit. You go on about this forever. Um... The, the word of God has been perverted in a lot of ways because of this. When the Bible talks about the right hand of God, well, God doesn't have a hand, he's a spirit. It's a, it's a metaphor so that we can understand it better, but we've taken to mean different things. But my point is, is even though the father's faith is imperfect, even though he only has a little belief, Jesus still does a miracle. 
he still heals his son because all he needs is a little. And that's what I'd like to talk about is when all you have is a little. It's all Jesus needs. That's the amazing thing about him. He can take the small insignificant that we bring him, the little that we have to offer, and he can multiply it and use it miraculously. It's almost like uh, the perfect analogy is you bring a spark and he's got gallons of gasoline waiting for it. He can take the fraction of faith and heal the sick. He can use the weak effort and multiply it. He can receive your weakest worship, your, your worst prayer, as we might say, and he can turn it into something extraordinary. I like more proof. John chapter 6 and verse 5. John chapter 6 and 5 through 13, it says this, When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. The Lord will do that. He'll put you through a, a trial. He'll give you a riddle sometimes to test you, to show you his greatness. Philip answered, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. Note what he says, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled how many baskets? But 12 with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. It's amazing how Jesus will do that. The, he, he said it right from the beginning. He knew what he was going to do. He wanted to just show the disciples. He gave them each a basket to prove it to them. But again, here's Andrew. Very similar to the demoniac boy's father. Here's Andrew. He says, Jesus, we, we got a couple of loaves. We have a few fishes. But, but he has doubt. In other words, he has unbelief in his heart. What is this amongst so many? What can we possibly do with this boy's lunch? He has unbelief. But he still steps out, albeit with limited faith. Remember, this is Andrew, the same disciple that came to follow Jesus first. He has a history of demonstrating faith, yet he still questions. It's limited. But that doesn't matter because Jesus can still use it. It's all he needs. The Bible says all he needs is the faith of a grain of mustard. And he'll move mountains. The Bible says he'll cast them into the ocean. He doesn't need much. But if you can just bring him a little. When all you have is a little, it's enough. The mountains will be cast into the sea. When you feel like you have no faith left, bring a prayer of faith anyways. Ignore your flesh and cry out because of who he is. You ever feel like that sometimes? Like on a Wednesday night? No kidding? Is the last thing you feel like doing is worshiping? Well, I had to learn this lesson. It's, it doesn't matter how you feel. I'm not going to wait till God comes and blesses me and gives me goosebumps. I'm going to praise him because of who he is, because of what he took me from. He deserves my praise. He deserves all of it. So when I don't feel like praising, 
And sometimes you feel bad about it. It's like, why don't I feel anything? Why don't I feel the presence of God? Maybe I'm carnal. Maybe there's something wrong. No, no, no. Just, just give him your praise anyways. You're not faking it. You're overcoming your flesh. You're sacrificing. God honors that. Ignore your flesh and cry out. Not because of how I feel. When your family or your church needs a miracle, it seems like we've prayed for so many healings, so many needs that we've cried out for. When you don't see a miracle, it starts to weaken you sometimes. Doubt can creep in. It's challenging. But pray again. Don't be ashamed of your present weakness. Just pray to Jesus what you're feeling. I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I don't have the faith I want to have, but give me the faith that I need. Bring Jesus the mustard seed of faith that you still have. So here's the thing about Jesus. He's done it all before. Even in the Gospels, I noticed this. I'm kind of slow, but I noticed this not that long ago. Every miracle Jesus did, he did more than once. A few chapters after he fed the 5,000, he fed 4,000. He didn't calm the sea once, he calmed it twice. He didn't raise the dead once, he did it several times. He healed countless lepers, he healed the sick, the paralyzed, he, he healed everybody more than once. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. He provided for you and there was nothing and he'll provide your needs again. He'll make a way when there's no way, like he's done before. He's calmed it before, he'll do it again. And when you're in your greatest trial, in your lowest valley, Faith can seem preposterous. What is there to possibly have faith in in this hour? Faith in what? But you still have a little. You still have a little belief. And you just start to remember what he's done for you before. Where you came from, the path that you were on, the trial that seemed endless, the burden of shackles of sin on your life, and what he pulled you out of. You remember that situation that seemed beyond repair, yet Jesus made a way. When all you have is a little, give it to Jesus, and he'll do it again. Notice this. Even though Andrew and the boy's father's faith is weak, they still offer it anyways. That's a critical step. They still demonstrated some form of faith. They still stepped out in faith to some extent. That's critical. The father still cries out. Andrew still takes the loaves and fishes and he hands them to Jesus. There's doubt in his heart, but he still gives it to him because he knows who Jesus is. You go to James chapter two, I won't read it tonight, but it talks about how Abraham's faith is made perfect by his works. His faith in God is made perfect when he actually took the wood and made an altar and was about to sacrifice his only son. His stepping out made it perfect. The disciples are rebuked by Jesus up and down throughout his ministry because of their lack of faith. In our opening text, he, in another gospel, he says, you perverse and faithless generation. In, in the time when he walks on the water, he's he like, oh, thou of little faith. He's always rebuking them for their lack of faith and chastising them. When, when he tries to get them to pray, he rebukes them all throughout his ministry. But notice this, he still uses them to start his church, to spread the Christian church to all the world. 
Why in the world would he use these people that he constantly has to reprimand for their lack of faith, that he constantly is criticizing because of how faithless they are because they still brought a little? Notice this. They still got off the boat when he called them. They still followed after him. They, they still walked with him every day. When he went to places like Caesarea Philippi and Tyre and Sidon, they still followed after him. They didn't have a lot of faith. They still made a lot of mistakes. They were imperfect in so many ways, but they had enough faith to walk beside him daily as long as he was in his ministry. Their faith isn't perfect, but it's enough to keep them getting up and walking with him. But sometimes that's all you can do. Sometimes your faith isn't perfect. Sometimes you don't feel called to to pray for a healing for someone that has a need or a sickness. But if you just keep walking, if you just keep getting up and giving your heart to God and you just keep seeking after him and seeking his face, he'll keep using you. He'll still keep blessing you. He'll keep his hand over you. He'll keep providing. He only needed a little bit of faith. And those disciples, they brought him all that he needed. And he used him mightily. I've said it before, the Lord loves imperfect people. He loves weakness, because that's where he gets glory. Those disciples were weak. They were carnal. They weren't wealthy. They were nobodies. But that's perfect for the Lord. Here's somebody who's different, though. Here's a Pharisee in the same book of John John chapter 3 and verse 1. I'm going to read 1 through 8. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born When he is old, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Verse 8 is powerful. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Very profound as far as evidence of speaking in other tongues. But here's Nicodemus, this Pharisee, this prolific Jewish leader. And he comes by night. So he's ashamed. He's intrigued by Jesus. He's starting to believe something different than his counterparts, than his peers. But he still comes by night because of his shame. That's okay. That's good enough for Jesus because he still came. He still came to him, whether it was by night or in secret or hiding somewhere, he still came to Jesus. And Jesus, notice that he gives him the keys to the kingdom of heaven before he even gave it to the disciples because he stepped out and he sought after him. He tells him right then and there to be born again. He talks about being filled with the Spirit because of his faith. It's limited, but it's enough. I want to flip this a little bit tonight. See, sometimes God will only give you a little. You give him a little, 
and he does something amazing, but sometimes God just gives you a little. And the question is, what do you do when all he gives you is a little? See, if he can use the insignificance that we offer him, what do I do? When I have something that I think is not that great or insignificant or small. See, not everyone has the same level of talent. Sometimes you have very little talent or abilities. But the Bible tells us when you're faithful over a little, God will make you faithful over a lot. Go to the story of the talents, and it says the person was given five and two, and it still says they were faithful over a few things. I think sometimes we focus on the discrepancy between this guy's got five and this guy's got one, and it becomes ten and one, but it still says, the Bible tells it wasn't much. It's not like this ruler gave them just the abundance and, and riches and wealth to, to guard and protect. He gave them each a little. Some were more little than others. But the, you guys know the story, the, the people with the five and the two, they, they doubled what their master had given them and the slothful servant, they hid it and it didn't grow at all. But not only were the people that given the five and the two, not only were they, did they double what they had, but they gained ability. They were given the one from the slothful servant. They were given ability. The Bible says they were, they were given the five and the two according to their ability. In other words, they probably weren't very talented. They probably weren't very prolific servants. But they gained ability because of what they did with what they were given, because of how they treated the blessings of God and how they honored it. What I'm driving at is when the Lord, when you give the Lord your best at whatever you are presently able to do, he will increase your ability. He will bless you more. He will trust you with more of his kingdom, but it starts with being faithful over a little. My favorite example of this is the story of Gideon. Go to Judges chapter five and 24. Just a couple of verses here to make this point. And And it came to pass in verse 24, the same night, that the Lord said unto him, take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him, and so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, The altar of Baal was cast down and the grove was cut down that was by it and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. This is long before Gideon was tasked with defeating the Midianite army. This was long before he was truly put into a place to be a mighty man of valor as he was called to be. The first instruction that the Lord gave him was to destroy an altar of idolatry not as burdensome of a task as leading a military or an army. Pretty basic. But the Lord gave him something small to be faithful over. He gave him an introductory task. He gave him something little. And Gideon, if you, it amazes me in the Old Testament, 
It can be difficult to read sometimes, but when it's repetitive like that, it's because they obeyed the Lord to a T, to the word. They did exactly what they were instructed, and Gideon's no exception. He does exactly what the Lord instructs him to do. He was faithful over the task that the Lord gave him. But then he was empowered to conquer the Midianites. God gave him an opportunity to be faithful over a little and then ruler over the Israelites and and empowered him to defeat their oppressors. He's not the only example. Before David was defeating giants and enemies of Israel, he was killing bears and lions that came after his sheep. He, He had the lowly, insignificant job or responsibility of being a shepherd. So insignificant that when when Samuel came to their house to ask for the, the sons, he wasn't even included. He wasn't even brought before Samuel the prophet. But but here he is in the task that he has, in the responsibility that he's been given. Maybe I'm a coward, but if one of my sheep was taken by a lion, I'm I'm not going after it. I'm not fighting a bear. Not David. He gave all that he had to the responsibility he was given. Did it with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He was faithful over a little before he was king of Israel. Before Abraham was promised to be the father of many nations, remember the task he had? Go move. (laughs) You're going to go to a new place, out of your father's country. There There was no covenant There was no promise to be a father of nations at that point. He just said, get up and go. And once he did that, it says he immediately obeyed. He immediately did what God told him and God made a covenant with him that was far greater than his initial instruction. He was faithful with one direction first. See, God will try you that way. He'll give you a chance to prove your faithfulness. Give you a chance to be used. What is your ability or responsibility for such a time as this. I was so excited to see Cameron playing drums up here today. Amen. (laughs) You have the ability to play an instrument. You have a responsibility to be used. And specifically to our young people, you might be given a small task initially. Someone might ask you to help in power hour or be an assistant in VBS or a Sunday school class or the pastor might ask you to help clean up the leaves in the fall or whatever else might need to be done. But if you give that task, all that you have, if you give God your greatest effort with that, he'll make you faithful over the next thing. You feel called to be a pastor or to be an evangelist or a worship director, whatever you're doing right now, Do your very best. Give God all your heart at what you're doing. We need people that are servants first before anything else. We need young people that say, I don't care what the job is. I don't care what my pastor asks of me. I just want to be used by God. And I don't care what it is, but I'm willing to do it. Somebody asked, and it's like, well, that's that's not my area. That's not my calling. Do it anyways. Be obedient first. That's all Abraham did. That's all David did. Be obedient first and let's watch God use you powerfully. If you've got the ability to greet someone, give the interaction your very best. If somebody's a Sunday school teacher, go pray over your classroom. Go get in the Holy Ghost before the kids get there. Give God all that you have with the little that he's given you. 
Give it your best. See, we have a misconception in the church, I believe. We look at people on the platform, whether it's the five-fold ministry or the music director or whoever it might be, the worship leader. We think, ah, oh, that person, sometimes they almost have a celebrity status about it. And we, we focus on them. And we, put, we, we apply extra importance to those people. Outward is not more important than inward in the church body. It's just more noticeable. As people, that's how we're wired. When you see somebody, you think, wow, your, your outfit is stunning. Wow, you're, is that a new hairdo? <laughs> Girls are like, what, what kind of sh- conditioner is that, you know? <laughs> Apparently, it's noticeable <laughs> when somebody changes conditioner. But we look at the outside, don't we? Wow, you're stunning. New pair of shoes. We're quick to compliment the outward appearance, but in reality, it's flipped. Someone can look outstanding, but what's inside? Nobody goes up to you and says, wow, your, your esophagus is awesome. <laughs> you know, your, your, your lungs, you got the best lungs ever. Your heart, not in a figurative way, but literally, like your vessels are just awesome. The point is, is that how much more important is that to the survival of the body? How much more important is that for the body to continue and to be furthered and to go on? It's the inward thing. What am I talking about? It's a stretch of an analogy. The, the inner workings of the church body are critical to it. The Sunday school teachers, the greeters, the people playing drums on a Wednesday night, the people that are at prayer on a, on a Monday night, the people that are in the church doing cleanup, doing sanitation, it's critical to the body. The media team, the groundskeepers, you name it. I want to embarrass some people that are an inspiration to me in this and something we can all take notice of. He's not here tonight, so it's okay. But Chris Stepanovich, I was talking to him a few weeks back, and he told me something that changed me forever. He said that when he was teaching Sunday school, and this is back when I was in his class, so probably 17 years ago, but when he was teaching Sunday school, he said that him and Linda would go over the lesson on Thursday. They would write it out. They would make tweaks to it on Friday. And they would go over the whole lesson on Saturday before church as if the kids were there. Their dedication was noticed. You could tell in their preparation. They prayed over those lessons that God would anoint them. Oh, I pray God would give me a burden for ministry like that. I pray God would give me a desire to be great in all that he's called me to do, like Chris Stepanovich. Tim Carlson, I talked to him too. He, he has an Excel spreadsheet for every part and fluid that goes into the lawnmowers for this church. Why is that? Luke helps him too. Why is that? So that we can save the church money, so that they can stay operational, so that the lawn looks good. You think that doesn't matter? Somebody drives up here and it looks like it's a junkyard. It might make someone think twice before walking in the door. The way we keep the things of God matters. Given all you've got, making Excel spreadsheets for your ministry. Praise God. Silas, I'm going to pick on him again. I've told him this before in youth class. A couple of years ago, maybe not, maybe a year and a half ago, Silas started working in the sound booth as a young teenager. And being the selfish youth leader that I am, I got kind of antsy that he wasn't in youth class a lot on Wednesday nights. 
I can get an amen out of Silas, you know. <laughs> Got to have him here. Well, I went to, went to his dad and I said, hey, I haven't seen Silas a lot in youth class. Maybe there's something we can do to change the schedule around. You know what he told me? He said, well, I talked to Silas about that. And there's just nobody to help right now in the sound booth. And I just don't want to say no to Sister Hickey. I don't want to say no to my elder because I want to do what's asked of me. Praise God. Proud of our young people. Praise God. Now he's taken on maintenance as a young person. Here's a good one. These two guys right here. Dave and Dennis. I can't remember the last time they've missed a moving ministry day. I can't remember we moved somebody and those two guys weren't there. And if you ask them, they're right around 59 years old. But they're there. (laughs) They're there every time. (laughs) They're faithful. That inspires me to be at work day on a Saturday morning. That inspires me to give myself to the kingdom. Brother Aaron Courtney, working in this building when people are asleep, I'm pretty sure, doing work hours and hours into the night, giving of himself and his abilities, faithful. And there's so many I'm missing, and I don't mean to leave anybody out, but it's not always flashy. That's my point. It's not always flashy to be the media person. It's not flashy to do drumming on a a Wednesday night. It's not flashy to be here at 2 a.m. when nobody notices working on the sound and switching things over. It's not flashy, but it furthers the kingdom. It blesses people. It blesses the visitors that walk through the door. It, It is anointed. It's blessed of God. And God wants to use those people for his kingdom, the ones that are faithful over what task they've been given, over what ability they have. We can stand tonight. When Jesus gives us a little, when we give, sorry, when we give Jesus a little, he returns blessings, miracles, signs, and wonders. When he gives you a little, you ought to strive to do the same. To, to give him the best that you possibly can. And watch how he blesses. Watch how he furthers your ministry. Watch how he opens doors to do things you never thought possible. One last passage of scripture in Acts chapter 9. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. It says, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. Powerful words. I'm here, Lord. Whatever you want, I'm here. And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man, how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, and he entered into the house 
and putting his hand on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou comest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scaled and he receiveth sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. This is all that was mentioned about Ananias, unless I missed it. But very little is mentioned of him, except that he went and prayed for Saul to receive the Holy Ghost. He was given one small, insignificant task, it seemed like, to go pray with some person that used to be a murderer, that used to bind the Christians, the people that called on the name of Jesus. But his obedience led to Paul's salvation. Remember, he spent three days blind. And all he could do, same thing. He just was given one direction. God didn't say, hey, Saul, I'm going to use you to save the known, to to take salvation to the Gentiles. I'm going to use you to start church after church and millions of people will be saved for your ministry. He didn't do that. All he said was go to Damascus. And he went blind, I'll be, could hardly walk there, but just go to the city. That's all I'm saying, just go to the city. And God sent a saint. He sent a servant of the Most High God. And Ananias was obedient. And that's all he really did. That's notable in the Bible. Think about Andrew. Probably his greatest purpose was not the loaves and the fishes, but that he went and brought his brother to follow Jesus so that Peter could preach on the day of Pentecost, so that he could go to Cornelius' house, so that he could be the rock on which the church was found. His greatest purpose was to win his brother. I would just be so thrilled if I could be used like Andrew or Ananias, and that was all I got to do because I just want to do the will of God. I just want to do what blesses his kingdom, no matter how small it is, no matter how insignificant it is, I just want to be a servant. And I'll give it all that I have because God gave me everything when I had nothing to offer. He can take the nothing that you have and save your life. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus, for your word that is alive, that speaks to every heart. God, that directs every path. and. and Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.